Welcome back to the Mind Hiking Podcast. And if you're a new listener, thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Brody Fry. And as of this recording, happy Cinco de Mayo. But as of you listening, I hope you had a great weekend. <laughs> Today's episode I've been looking forward to for a while. Uh, I feel like it's going to fill in some good gaps in previous episodes, some previous questions, and things that we've talked about before. We're bringing somebody on that uh, has a lot of insight on things that I've discussed here before. So it's going to be a, a real fun father-son episode. So stay tuned. Hey everyone, it's Brody Fry. And here we dive deep into difficult questions. We'll map out thoughts, theories, and crazy ideas for the love of knowledge and growth. So... How do we answer some of the mind's toughest questions? This is the Mind Hiking Podcast. Okay, your mic is hot, Dad. <laughs> How are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm good. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. Uh, happy Cinco de Drinco. <laughs> yes. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. You got your Bud or Miller Light. Miller Light. <laughs> yeah. Don't I don't drink Bud Light. <laughs> yeah. I got a spiked simply lemonade. It's a blueberry <laughs> flavor. It's kind of fruity tonight, so my apologies. But uh, welcome, welcome to the Mind Hiking Podcast. This is a one I've been looking forward to for a while. So, um, Mr. Vegas. You just got back. Huh? Yeah. Thank uh, you. First, thank you for having me on the show. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Vegas was awesome again. Yeah. So pool, obviously, for people who don't know, but how did you get back? Because you played pool when you were younger, and then you kind of got back into it, and now you're kicking ass. So tell me how that happened. Well, I used to play. There's a little bar down the street from my house. I used to play darts and pool at. I was better at pool than darts, so I pretty much stuck with that yeah and then uh when you were born mm -hmm. i quit yeah you know i just it and then it was like 20 years i never touched a cue stick and then when i got you know when the divorce happened yeah um one night i was i went back down there and just started picked up a stick and was just hitting balls around and there was a guy that came in and and uh came right back to me and I beat up on him pretty bad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he brought one of his buddies in yeah. a few days later and he's like yeah this is the guy I was telling you about he kicked my ass all night long yeah and they're like hey you want to get on a team I'm like hey I'm single now why not yeah kill. go out and meet some new people and kill some time kill some yeah so we got a, I got a funny story to tell you quick though yeah um <clears throat> so I got on this team, and our, my first session we were there, we made it to the playoffs, and it's a three-day playoff. We won the playoffs yep. and won a trip to Vegas. That was the first time I went, like a year and a half ago. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, I was, like, on fire that weekend in the playoffs, and there was this older gentleman, I, I'm guessing probably mid-'70s, and... Uh, he was watching me play and a lot of teams stick around and watch the final match. And he's like, Hey, you're pretty good guy. And I'm like, he's like, how long have you been trying to get to Vegas? I'm like, this is my first session on this team. And he looks at me dead serious. He's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm like, 
what did I do? Yeah. You know? <laughs> He's like, I've been trying for 16 years to get to Vegas, wow. and you got there in like literally three months yeah. of playing with this wow. team. I'm like, and it's so again, I'm looking at him like, yeah. what do I say? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry? <laughs> <laughs> right? That's awesome. So, yeah, then I, then I made it back with... Uh, with my friend Chris Page in nine ball doubles a few months, yeah, in May. Yep. And then I just got back uh, with my friend Dave Talkin, uh in eight ball doubles. And I won a couple of side tournaments out there, too. So That's so cool. So you've been there for eight ball twice, nine ball once? Correct. That's awesome. What 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 were the side tournaments? Uh, they call it mini mania. Okay. It, it's they get like there's like sixteen players. Mm-hmm. It's only twenty bucks to buy in. Yeah, and it doesn't pay a lot, but it's something to do in between matches. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's cool. And, uh, and so I won one and got second and two. That's awesome. So now you uh, you. Do some work for the APA, don't you? What, yeah, I'm position? a division rep for the APA. Okay, that's cool. How did how did that happen? <laughs> I, I actually, I'm not even sure. the The league owner called me. and says, "Hey, you got voted in as a division rep." I'm like, I didn't know I was into the running. Yeah, right. They're like, well, you're apparently everybody recommended you and oh, voted cool. on you, so I didn't even know. I was up for the gig, but yeah, that's cool. So, and they kind of like helped you out with the Vegas trip a little bit too, right? pretty kick-ass hotel <laughs> oh yeah they put me up in a suite and and yeah if you win you get hotel and airfare paid for that's so cool but so how how many days were you out there for this most recent time uh six days six days and you which were... is too much time in vegas i'll be honest with you <laughs> yeah, i'm sure it is uh how how were you playing every day or um we play out of the Six days. I mean, that includes the, day, the travel days. Yeah. So, but the four days, the day I didn't fly in and fly out, yeah, I played all four days. That's cool. That's a lot of pool. Yeah. <laughs> are you uh, kind of pooled out now, or are you still? You no, know, I got back. We had leagues. I got back Monday, and the, new, the summer session started up on uh, Monday. Okay. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, on Tuesday. Gotcha. So, I played Tuesday, and then we had leagues last night, Thursday. Yeah. And then we got tournaments. I play about four or five nights a week. Okay, all separate leagues or separate teams. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. And then when you were playing, like before I was born, were you on any leagues back then? Were you? Yeah. It was. Serious? It was a. It was an APA. Okay. It was uh, a a division called A and H. Okay. They ran all the dart leagues and pool leagues in okay. this area. I, are they still going? I don't think I've heard of that. They, uh, <clears throat> they're they a vending company now. I think oh. they mostly just do vending machines, but they used okay. to run all the dart leagues and pool leagues. But oh, cool. they, they don't do that anymore. They sold that off, and the uh, APA runs it all now. Huh. Yeah, I know. I've heard of, like, the, what is it, BCA? Is that? BCA, is that, yep. Yeah. That's another. Yeah. There's a few of them, aren't there? Well, there's APA also has CPA, which is... APA is American Pool Player Association, mm-hmm. and CPA is Canadian Pool Players Association. Okay, a lot of Canadians. It's it's an inter, it's a world it's the world's biggest tournament out in Vegas that oh, I go wow. to. That's cool. The first year I went, there was fourteen thousand players. Wow. So so APA is kind of dominating the pool scene. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I know. I'm, I feel like a lot of people, you know are iffy about the rules of APA. They're kind of a little bit lighter, just for, like, argument reasons, right? Um, 
some people think it's kind of sloppy pool, but it's it's to keep the pace of the game up. You oh, know? gotcha. Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. I know that was like. I mean, we we've played a lot of golf too. I know that was a big thing. You, they had the whole like tee it forward thing, and right. you know, just trying to keep pace of play up yeah. because you know, <clears throat> got to make that money, move that forward. <laughs> right, right. So uh, I remember stories uh, back when you tell me about like when you were playing pool before I was born. Uh, just you've you've broken some sticks, haven't you? <laughs> uh, just one. Oh, okay, okay. How how would <laughs> I, I can't imagine that. I mean, the money that these sticks cost nowadays, like, how did that happen? <laughs> um, probably a little bit of beer involved and yeah. just <laughs> shooting bad one night and just slammed it on the table a little too hard and it cracked. Oh, but, really? Yeah. Okay. I, I thought it was like a broke over the knee. No, no, no. I just banged it on the table. And oh, okay. Wait, so it's like I, I really I don't have anger management issues, but yeah. I was pissed that night. Yeah, I, I bet. Yeah, did you finish the match at least? Did you have another stick to play with? I know I had to use a bar stick. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, that sounds like a rough one. Were, yeah. Were you doing like any like work for any leagues like that back then? I thought no. Oh no. Okay. Oh. Okay. So you were just in it for. Yep. And you, I remember seeing like growing up, you had some pool trophies and stuff too from back then. Yep. So you were pretty good back then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was okay. I mean, keep in mind, this is all amateur level stuff. Right. You know, we're not talking professional. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, you're, but for the most part, you're pretty much good at just about everything you do, aren't you? <laughs> like you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. And especially motocross. I mean, you were, you were, beaten pros yeah that's cool so how did you get into riding in the first place I mean, one one if i can if you don't mind brody yeah, if yeah. we may ask you a quick question back to pool real quick mm-hmm. um i do have a sponsor if i can give a shout oh, out to please. him yeah go ahead um uh darren hill with that and kurt jennison with uh axis cues um you can look them up online they yeah. take care of me and and built me a, a couple of custom cues yeah your your cue stick is beautiful it's, thank you yeah and what is it made out of it's a uh, uh bacote wood it's called it's imported okay. from south america okay and the leather wrap is from uh, he imported that from italy it's, so yeah it's, it's stunning i mean before that one you had that uh it was like a, a mcdermott's what was it uh a McDermott GS something I forget the model number, but it was yeah. it was a pretty nice McDermott. Yeah, and it's like a, the wood with the clear coat, and it had like wolves etched into it. It was like a like a oh, it was that was a beautiful stick. And then when I you told me you sold that thing, and I was like, what could you possibly replace that thing with? Because that was the coolest stick I've ever seen. And then I saw your new one. I'm like, okay, I get it now. <laughs> I sold it to one of my teammates. Yeah, and I. By mistake, I always grab it because I shot oh. with it for a few years, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, he's like, you got my stick. I'm like, darn it, <laughs> the habit of grabbing it. Yeah, the last the last couple <laughs> matches I played with you, I saw him shooting with it, and I, it was like throwing me off. I kept looking. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's his now. <laughs> it is weird, but that both both sticks are beautiful. But yeah, your new one is is amazing. Um, so yeah, motocross though. How you want to? I mean, I know how I got into it from you. You kind of slapped me on it when I was three, but how? I don't because I mean, knowing Grandpa, he's not gonna put you on a motorcycle. No. So how did that happen? It it happened by a friend of ours 
gave me a mini bike when I was a little kid. Just one of those little Sears red oh, mini bikes. Yeah. And rode it around, and I loved riding it, loved riding it. And one year, I think I was 11 or 12 years old, my parents bought me a motorcycle for Christmas. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It was a 70-something. I'm aging myself here. <laughs> but it was a 70-something uh, Yamaha GT80. That's cool. And, uh, and I... Beat the hell out of it. Oh yeah, I, I started getting pretty good. Again, I don't. I'm not patting myself on well, the back. And but it's not not like you were riding around in a neighborhood either, right? Like you had 500 acres. Yeah. to ride on. Yeah, because you had our property, and then you had what is now the conservation district. Right? right, and I had permission to ride on that from the previous owners. Yeah, so that's <clears throat> so cool. I mean, I I I walk that conservation district, and I just look at it, and I'm like. Oh, that would have been so cool to have permission to ride out here. Like, yeah. yeah, I built three tracks out there, and and then uh, anyway, I saved up. I worked for my dad on the farm, mm -hmm. and I saved up enough money to buy a race bike. Mm -hmm. And I told him I want to start racing. I think I was twelve or thirteen. Yeah, and it was an eighty Kawasaki eighty, mm -hmm. and uh, just started racing and took to it and just started doing good right right off the bat yeah that's so cool i used to race or ride against guys out on the tracks by the house with uh some older guys with 250s that were racing uh -huh. and i'd catch them on my 80 and oh wow just smoke them and they're like you little shit yeah <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> so another thing that i you know i've always been curious about that i never really asked how it happened but uh how did so we had a kick ass like professional track on our property but i can't see grandpa like approving of that how did that how did you get that to happen and especially with the people on the property too um i'm not sure i, I had the shop that i started you know where the small shop is on the yeah. farm yeah <clears throat> and uh we, we i built the track it was it was my own personal practice track mm -hmm. and then a couple of buddies started riding and it word got out everybody's always looking for a place to ride yeah and i just asked them hey can i let people ride out here i had a, a lawyer mm -hmm. draw up a a, a waiver mm -hmm. and uh made made money off of it and yeah so That's, yeah he, he allowed it i'm actually to your point shocked myself that he allowed it. yeah yeah it's I, that was one thing that i i mean like knowing him i i can't imagine and i know that like you and uncle buck have mentioned too that we like he's kind of mellowed out over the years but like back then especially like i just can't imagine that being okay especially and i'm glad he did because i've met some of the most and this goes back to pool too yeah pool and motocross i've met some of the most wonderful people and friends yeah in my life yeah you know it's awesome so now not just the racing but you know the the biggest thing probably what most people know you by sf performance how did that start um it started by I started snowmobiling, and I, I bought a used snowmobile, and I joined what was back then the Crystal Lake Snow Tiger Snowmobile Club, mm -hmm. 
and we'd go riding together. We'd go up on trips up north together, mm. Wisconsin and Michigan. Yeah. And it, one of the meetings, there was there was a guy. He was actually a McHenry County Sheriff. Um, his name was Bob. He's like, I can't find a good mechanic. I used to be a service manager at a Kawasaki shop prior okay. to that. So I had all my tools. And he's like, I can't find a good mechanic to work on my snowmobile. I'm like, I can take care of it, Bob. And so I took care of sled, and the word spread. And next thing you know, I got 30, 40 snowmobiles sitting in my driveway waiting in line yeah. to get fixed. <laughs> and I'm like... I got to get some business cards here, you know? Yeah. And it turned into a, a side gig. I'd go to work on the farm at yep. six in the morning and I'd work till one or two at night. Wow. Fixing snowmobiles. Yeah. And then morphed into, I started riding again and, uh, and then started the shop. Yeah. Just morphed into dirt bikes after, after winter. <laughs> yeah. That's that's so crazy. Yeah, and another thing too is like Grandpa being okay with the snowmobiles. You you were having to move those in and out of the barn, right? Yeah, for, for the work. Right? Yeah, that's that's so crazy. You had like no sleep. No, no. <laughs> it's funny. I, I met this girl. I'm not going to drop any names. Mm -hmm. Um, but recently, and she rides on the street. She's got a Harley. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you got to get a Harley and ride. I'm like. I've n I've never had a desire to ride on the street. Yeah, I, which I, is which is crazy though. Just being around like the whole like motorcycle scene, you know. I, yeah. I, but she's like, you need to get a Harley, and I'm like, I'm not getting one. I yeah. said I ri I raced dirt bikes, my, and I didn't know she lived in this area her whole life. Yeah. And so I told her, I said I raced motorcycles my whole life, but I I have no desire to ride on the street. She's like, oh, I know all about you. Everybody knows her about you in this area. Oh yeah, it was pretty funny. Kind of, kind of flattering. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, it, I, it was, I, it was, it was funny. Growing up, I, you know, even all your buddies, they, they would always tell me, just dirt's a lot softer than asphalt, <laughs> and especially it's, it's a lot softer than cars and deer. Yeah, that too. <laughs> And also, just on a motorcycle, you're fully geared up with, you know, you got your chest protector, helmet, neck brace most of the time, kidney belt, boots, knee pads, all of it, all fully geared up. And and then on the street, you mean, most people don't even wear a helmet, but right. you'd be lucky just to have that. <laughs> so, again, it's like faster, harder surfaces, and less protection. So. Yeah. If I get in an accident, I want to be in my car and not on a bike. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's definitely something that... I, I think it's cool and, and you know, I wouldn't be opposed to it if an opportunity arose, but yeah, I've just growing it up. It would be fun. It's just the danger part. And then the location too. I mean, and around big cities, no thanks. But like, you know, if you lived out in like a, like some country roads and it was just no traffic, no cars and you could just cruise, you know, that would be, that'd be a lot, a lot more fun and, you know, less hazardous. Yeah. Somewhat. <laughs> Yeah. You, you, like I said, you have the, the wildlife. Deer. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, that's true. And potholes and stuff, train tracks. <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen just this fall, within a mile of my house, you, you know, obviously where I live, where you lived, yep. <laughs> the school you went to from the school down to the bridge, Yep. which is two miles maybe. Yeah. Nine deer this fall dead uh, yeah. along the road, you know, so yeah. I'm like... So somebody hit him. Yeah. 
I I, I want to be in a car if I hit yes. a deer, not on a bike. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a great <laughs> point, especially after the amount of impacts you've had. I mean, you've had some pretty bad wad ups in your day. Yeah, yeah. My body's paying for it now. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm sure it is. Uh, I want to I want to come back to this topic, but before we get too far ahead, I want to bring up. You mentioned working at a Kawasaki dealer uh, previously, and you were young then too, weren't you? You were like, I think I started there when I was sixteen or seventeen. I remember a story you telling me about where, you know, one like the manager was giving you a hard time and or something, and the boss. You remember the story? Yeah, where, uh, and like. You want to tell me about this, the in like the, with the customers too, and the communication back and forth. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I was a young kid, obviously, mm-hmm. and I got a job there behind the parts counter. But I was racing, and I, I fixed my own bikes, I had my own tools, I rebuilt engines. And when I got a job there, I'm, I asked the owner if I could work on my bike at the shop because I had the parts tank or the solvent tank and, you know, yeah. a few extra things, yeah. lifts and stuff Some like that. Some material stuff yeah. and maintenance stuff. And they said, yeah, sure, you can work it. So I was back there tearing my motor apart and rebuilding my motor when I'm like 16 years old. Hmm. And uh, he's like, I didn't know you how, you knew how to do that. I'm like, I've been doing it since I was like 13. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> he's like, you shouldn't be behind the parts the parts counter. You need to be behind the service desk. Yeah. You know? So they hired me on as a mechanic, and the service manager, for whatever reason, didn't like me. I think mainly threatened. Yeah. Yeah. And the owners pulled me into the office one night, and they're like, "I thought I was in trouble." Yeah. the The manager, the service manager's name was Joe, mm-hmm. and they're like. Joe comes up and complains about you all the time. I'm like, what I what I do? They're like, nothing. We're gonna fire him. Think you can handle the service manager job? <laughs> and I'm like, except 17 years old, maybe. Yeah. You know. So I'm like, I think so. Yeah. You know, they just threw me right into wow. it. Wow. And yeah. then, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And then, uh, but I. Customers would come in with, you know, expensive street bikes. Oh, yeah. And be like, wanting to talk to the mechanic or the service manager. So they'd be talking to me, but they wouldn't answer me. And they would talk to the owner, whose name was Vern. And Vern would refer the question to me while we're all three standing there. He's like, I don't know. Steve, what do you think? Well, uh, so it was was funny. The... The gentlemen's that had the expensive bikes weren't comfortable talking with a young kid. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so they just talked to the boss, and then the boss would just turn and look at you. Yes. And then, and then you'd answer, and then he would repeat it. Yes. <laughs> That's so funny. You're, you're like a, a little like Tony Stark, just like a genius. <laughs> such, a, such a young age pulling things apart. I mean... I, I remember you telling me that I mean you've you've always been fascinated with just ripping stuff apart, haven't you? And it's not the taking things apart that's hard; it's the putting it back together, right? Um, neither one's been a problem. I I kind of have. I know in one of your episodes you talked about photographic memories. Mm-hmm. I, I do have a photographic memory. Okay. If if I take a motor apart, yeah, or anything apart, yep. 
sometimes we have to wait sometimes months for parts to come in if they're back ordered. Yeah. And I could put it back together. I don't need a manual. I don't need a diagram. Yep. If I took it apart, I remember where every shim, washer, pin, whatever goes. Yeah. But I've had people bring me motors in. They try to do themselves. Mm -hmm. And they bring it in in boxes. Yeah. That's a pain in the butt. Yeah. You know, because now you got to look at the diagrams. Like, yep. But if I take it apart, yep. like I say, you call it photographic memory, whatever. Yeah. If I took it apart, I know how it goes back together. Yeah. I remember you, and you, wouldn't you kind of upcharge or something for people that brought them in? Yep. Already apart? Yep. Yeah, because that's a pain in the ass. Because now you got to. They, th they think it's cheaper because they took it apart. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not. Yeah. It's much more time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then same with muddy bikes too, right? You yep. upcharge for that. That's a pain in the ass trying to, especially muddy bikes when you're ripping apart a motor and then you get all that dirt possibly in the motor too. Well, it's just the, it's the time of taking it out back and pressure washing it. You know, you, yeah. have, you have another half hour into cleaning it uh, yep. good enough that you can work on it. Yeah, right. That's a pain in the butt. I remember you telling me too, like on the farm, you'd, take things apart you just fascinated with taking things apart and grandpa just getting frustrated with you right? oh yeah he'd get pissed at me all the time <laughs> <laughs> there was a dump behind my house back on the across the power lines from where we lived uh -huh. and there was like washing machines and lawn mowers and car engines that's so cool and i'd i'd haul it back to the farm <laughs> and yeah. just take it apart and my my father was always like what the hell is wrong with you? Why do you got to take everything apart? And he he had the term. Why do you got to see what makes everything tick? Yeah, I'm like, because it probably shouldn't tick. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Trying to fix everything, Dad. <laughs> so I don't know. I I was always fascinated by mechanical stuff and seeing how things worked. Yeah, that's so weird. Because I mean, was there any like previous fry that had interest in, you know? mechanical things because i mean it's just been farmers down the line pretty much right yeah not uh, not that i can think of my grandfathers or any of my uncles it's not actually my uncle on my your grandma's my mom's brother mm -hmm. he was a maintenance guy at o'hare airport so oh really so he's got mechanical background oh cool i didn't know that yeah yeah so <clears throat> I mean, I guess that, but still, like, kind of came out of nowhere, this this interest and fascination with taking things apart and yeah. putting them back together. I don't know where it came from. It was just always something that intrigued me. Yeah, that's so crazy. It's funny, in high school, I took uh, power mechanics. Power one was, you know, small engines, and then power two was car engines. Yeah. And we had an odd number of students in the class. Yeah. And they're like, who wants to work alone? And I was the first one to put my hand yeah. up. And I got my motor done before anybody. And obviously got an A in the class. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It didn't hurt that the power mechanics teacher used to hunt out on our farm. Oh, <laughs> we, we let him hunt. So. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that <laughs> maybe, maybe that. So it gave me an A+. Plus. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, but uh, it's crazy, too, because like, you usually get like those athletic types and then like the genius types but like what's fascinating is that you had both you were you know you have this intelligence and this ability to 
just fix things. And then you also had the athletic capabilities where, you know, you were just kicking ass on a bike. You could build it and then teach people how to use it. <laughs> I appreciate the kind. You're making me blush here. I went to a race one time down and uh, <clears throat> it was a state championship race. It was a two-day event. And it was in uh, Casey. Yep. You raced at Casey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went down there, and the first day, my motor grenade blew a crank. Oh. And I'm like, damn, I still got to get some points. I got to race the second day. Yep. So I asked around, are there any Kawasaki shops in the area? They're like, yeah, there's one about a half hour from here. I went down there. I'm like, can you do guys do this motor? tonight yeah and they're like no i'm like do you have the parts they had all the parts the bearings and a rod kit and everything yeah and uh i asked the service the owner and the service manager can i use your shop for a few hours yeah and they let me that's cool so i rebuilt the motor at their shop and they were blown away. Yeah. Again, I was like 17 years old. Yeah, and they're like, "You want a job?" Yep. And they offered me a job. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like five hours away from here. I'm like, yeah. no, it's a little too far for me. Yeah. I said, but give me some stickers. And I'll throw them on my bike for you because yeah. I'm racing tomorrow. So I went back and did good the next day. But that's it, so cool. That's a, one of my favorite motocross stories. That is so cool. Yeah, that's a great story. Uh, let's take a little break because Bailey's mine. I'm gonna let her out. Quick. Okay. Okay, we are back. Uh, so we did kind of put a tab in a conversation previously about the crashes. I know you had some pretty bad accidents growing up, uh, growing up, and then even even you know, I guess you could call it a career-ending crash. So you you want to you want to take me back and kind of go through the timeline of some of your most memorable wad ups. <laughs> most memorable, <laughs> probably one almost comedic one is it was on my first bike my 80 when i was a teenager young teenager my father never was into it he wouldn't come to mm. the races oh yeah finally talked him into coming and watch me race one time and the first moto on the start i went down and separated my shoulder <sighs> and he walks up to me and i'm laying on the ground and the paramedics are there and he walks on he walks up and he's like you're not going to win any fucking trophies laying there on the ground. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, probably not, but I'm in a lot of pain. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, he's he's always, like, Grandpa's a tough motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, at the same track, it was Maplehurst, which is up in Wilmot. He, uh, or, or I went down really bad. And uh, took a handlebar in the mouth and ripped my lip off my chin and yeah. knocked a bunch of teeth out. It was ugly. I was unconscious. I woke up in the ambulance. They took me to one hospital, and they're like, we can't handle this here. They had to load me back up and take me to another hospital. Wow. Yeah. And uh, my mom passed out. Just from looking at you? Yeah. And my aunt and my grandmother came in the room and just started bawling wow i'm like and they wouldn't let me see it yeah i'm like this can't be good yeah you know they kept having to roll me on my side to drain the blood out of my mouth oh, i just pour it out of your yeah. face yeah hole. pretty much pretty much pour it out of my face <laughs> hole. yeah it was it was pretty ugly wow but uh 
anyway, it was a Sunday, and my dad was home watching football, as he always is. Yeah. But they called him, and they he came out, and uh, he same thing, Mister Mister Calm. Yep. He's like, oh, for Christ's sake, you made it sound like half his head was torn off. He'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Which it basically was. <laughs> well, seventy stitches in an hour and a half worth of plastic really? surgery later. Oh, yeah. Seventy stitches. Yeah. Wow. And how in plastic surgery? Jeez. How? Yeah, well, I was laying there, and they're like. Do you have your own plastic surgeon, or should we call one in? I'm like, who the hell has their own plastic surgeon <laughs> yeah. on me? <laughs> yeah, let me just, I got him on speed dial here. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, then several broken bones. My left shoulder snapped and broken ribs. and how, Teeth, too. What? How many teeth are uh, fake? Well, I had five root canals from that okay. handlebar thing in the mouth. Yeah. And I've got one cap and then two fake. Okay, wow. On the bottom, so how you wanna like you remember how that crash went down? You wanna walk us through that? Like, what were you <clears throat> thinking and what happened? How did it happen? It was a a whoop section in the back, and it was a muddy it was a muddy race, and I just came into him too hot and went over the bars. It was my own handlebar that hit me in the mouth. Yeah, and. I just remember coming into the whoop section and waking up in the ambulance. That's so. It, I feel like it's always the stupid little ones that that cause the most damage. Yeah, it was. It was crazy. Jeez, didn't you? Wasn't there a story? Didn't you break a rib on on one of the pit bikes just dicking around? <laughs> yes. How did that happen? Was that on the sixty footer? I feel like I remember. No, me and your mother were going out to dinner mm-hmm. and. We heard somebody out riding on the track that didn't oh, have permission. Okay. So I jumped on my pit bike to run out there to chase them off and tell them to get the heck out of there. Yeah. Which I did. Yep. And then there was a, this tiny little dog. And I had my nice clothes on. We were yeah, going out to ready dinner. Ready to go out to dinner. <laughs> and there's this little double jump. And I'm like, I'll just hit it out of the way. Yeah. And I came up short on it oh. <laughs> and took the, again, the handlebar and the ribs. And I'm like, yeah, broke two ribs there. So no dinner that night? No, I went out. Oh, you did? Yeah. And then you were like... I can't breathe. Oh, dang. So were you just like eating and your stomach's filling and you're like, this is hurting? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's crazy. You get those tough genes from grandpa, I guess. And I go to the hospital and x-ray and I'm like, yeah, you cracked two ribs. Wow. I'm like, oh. Wow, I can't believe that wasn't more painful or noticeable. It was painful, trust me. Yeah. Wow, dang. Uh, I don't remember if there's any other big ones, but I do remember your like the last crash you had. Was there one any big ones in well, between? At Maplehurst again, I went down one time and broke my wrist in three places. So, oh, really? Yeah, that was not fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, at Redbud... I dislocated my left elbow. Wow. Ugh. That was painful. And then... Uh, how, did, how did that happen? I was qualifying for a pro national, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, a guy in front of me, I was I was like in sixth place, and you just needed to get like top 12 to qualify. So oh, I wow. was in qualifying. Well in yeah. yeah. And this idiot in front of me, I shouldn't call him an idiot. <laughs> he cross-rutted. 
and went off the track, hit a tree, and his bike ricocheted oh. off the tree and cleaned me out. And my arm got stuck through the handlebar oh. and dislocated my left shoulder or my left elbow. Wow. So that was the end of that. Yeah. Weekend. <clears throat> um, what year was that? 85 or 86. Dang. Wow. Again, dating myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so I know you were like freaking kicking ass, beating pros. Why, how come you never, like, what What was it? Why, di- why didn't you get your pro card? <clears throat> Mainly because of the working at the farm. Okay. I was making pretty decent money. Yeah. And and again, not to pat myself on the back, I was an okay rider, mm-hmm. but I wasn't fast enough to like get a factory ride or anything like that or even it'd be like if I could put it in perspective to your listeners, mm-hmm. being a really good golfer. Yeah. Like you are, mm. but are you going to make it on the PGA Tour and make money? No, probably not. Would yeah. you? Would you maybe qualify to get into an event? Yeah, maybe. Are you going to make the weekend and make money? Probably not. Yeah. You know, so it's like, am I going to take the time and spend the money to yeah. travel around the whole country? You know, New York, Florida, California. Seattle, Texas, you know, yep. it, 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 that's basically what it came down to. Yeah. I just, I wasn't quite at that level, to, you know. Yeah, the cost didn't make up for the opportunity cost. <laughs> right, exactly. Hmm. Yeah. That's, so that's why. And that's always, that's one thing that I've always felt like sucks with the, the sport just doesn't have enough money in it because it, it's a, such a cool sport. But yeah, I just, you know. I, I've always loved the sport, but there, yeah, the money is just kind of. It, it's the same. It's similar with pool. Yeah, you know, it's like, am I going to travel around and, and chase a dream of being a professional pool player? Yeah, it, it just no. Yeah, it's like the top ten, maybe fifteen guys make a career out of it, and that's about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's... So yeah, I play amateur level, pretty high amateur level stuff, and yeah. just enjoy get paid, it. <laughs> get paid to go to Vegas and have yeah. fun and hang out with some cool people so yeah similar kind of scenario yeah yeah no, that's that's all you got to do just in, enjoy it for what it is i guess i mean yeah we and so then it wasn't just like the end of like the motocross then when when you kind of decided that you didn't or weren't going to go professional so sf performance you started how did that go from like a small town kind of you know fixer up a repair shop to a professional race team um well that's a tough one to answer i don't know it just kind of naturally grew and and even being like that small repair shop you still had pros coming out and practicing on our track yeah team suzuki brought their rig out to test on our track and team honda brought came out with Bob Hanna and I and I rode with him. Yeah. For any of you that know who that might be. Mm-hmm. Um I, I don't know, it, it just grew and it naturally got big. Yeah. I, I I can't 
narrow down an instance or a yeah. certain thing that I did or word spread. You just grew word spread and and so you went from <clears throat> was kind of that- like the APA thing when they voted me in. Yeah, because I'm a likable guy apparently. Yeah, you you were just kind of. It's the same in the motocross Found world, I think. There. Yeah, it's just I have a lot of good friends, and they came to my shop, and I started sponsoring people, helping them out. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like you mentioned in one of your episodes, I don't remember about we had the biggest. Yeah, we had we had I think five pros on the line at Redbud. That's so cool. And uh, yeah, it was, it was it was very cool. Yeah, that you want to mention their names? Uh, I think it was Cameron Lansing, Derek Whitney, Kevin Marquardt. Uh, who were the other two? I'm drawing a blank. Did you, did you say Derek already? Derek said Whitney. Oh, okay, I yeah. didn't know if you got that one. Yeah. There was five. I know there were five. I'm drawing a blank. Oh, uh, Jimmy Pavoni. Yes, yeah. I remember. And... Uh, Somebody else I'm forgetting. I apologize if they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> now, another, you know, big name, probably the biggest name in motocross right now, Chase Sexton. You did some work for him, right? You Did you sponsor? Yeah, I sponsored him. Bought him a bike. Wow. Bought him bikes for three years. Oh, really? I didn't know. Is that big of a thing? Yeah. <laughs> wow. And look at him now. It yeah. all started on Lems, didn't it? Yep. Matter of fact, funny you just said that because that's uh, what his dad told me oh, not long ago. He's like, "I'll start it on the limbs." <laughs> that's so cool. He, he invited us down to the Honda compound in Orlando. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, we gotta go. That'd be to awesome. watch him train. That'd be so cool. Yeah, he is. He's kicking ass. I remember him. I remember riding with him on the kitty track. Yeah. So, for the listeners, we had two tracks. We had a big track and then a kitty track, and. The kitty track was basically anybody under a 125. And uh, then, you know, after the day of riding, at the end of the day, as the sun's kind of setting, you know, me and some of my close buddies would hop out on the big track while it's empty and be able to play around on that. But the the kitty track was just kind of to keep the, the kids off the big track for... Beginners. Yeah. 50s and 65s and stuff like yeah. that. Cause that get- track was still... a really kick-ass track they're those both, little i like the whoops on along the oh, fence in the back they were those the are fun <laughs> yeah i love those things it's so much fun but i remember racing chase on the kitty track and i held him off for like it was just lap after lap and i remember just thinking like is this guy ever gonna like i i couldn't let him beat me on my own track so <laughs> i remember holding him off until you guys pulled us off the track like okay they're gonna keep going we gotta stop him <laughs> and now he's one of the top pros in the world yeah yeah it's crazy i mean he was on my ass too i mean it was like every corner i'm seeing his front tire <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that was that was the good old days it was so much fun just riding i mean just it was it's like I'm so grateful to be able to have grown up there and just have that freedom and be able to ride like that. I mean, it was, thank you for. Well, that studio your grandfather, not me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I worked on the farm, so I, me and your, me and your uncle, we put a lot of work into that farm. So yeah, a little tiny bit to do with, but it's, it's mainly your grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. I'm very grateful for him as well. He's a hard worker. <laughs> I mean, he dedicated his whole life. <laughs> so another question that I have is, 
the race team from that i mean i know a lot of it had to do with the economy but how did that what what made you stop with sf oh it was, it was 100% the economy and like when the 08 yep 0809 recession yep. hit yeah you know it, it, motorcycles and motorcycle racing is not a necessity yep you know food and rent is yeah you know so our sales dropped off like 50 percent oh wow at the shop and the bills didn't drop off yeah, you know right the power company and you know all that and yep. the, the landlord they don't cut they don't give you a break but when you know it just it got to the point where we were just throwing good money after bad and yeah and and just decided to close it up and and I went back to work at the farm. Yeah, yeah, because at the time the farm was doing really well, right? Yeah, the farm was killing it. Yeah, well, that's, I mean. So it was kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, I mean, struggling there. But that shop was, I mean, you were a dealer for, like, the biggest companies in the world in motocross. What, weren't you the biggest dealer for? We were the biggest uh, M2R dealer. In the country or the world. I th- I don't think the world. I think the country. Uh, we were top forty for Fox. Oh wow! I'm sure, many of you know the oh, Fox yeah. logo, Everybody. Fox clothing. <laughs> so we were top forty in the country for Fox. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty rocking shop for a while. Yeah, and, and it had it, a pretty good run, twenty some years. And but like I said, oh eight, oh nine hit, and yeah just started losing money and i'm like i'm not giving it all back and yeah and like you said the farm was doing good and yeah i'm just gonna go back to work for the farm yeah that's uh i mean so many people so many of my friends keep even talk today like still say how we gotta bring it back we gotta bring it back and and even the track i get it all the time too yeah yeah it's i mean because there's there's really nowhere to ride so it's like People, people talk about just having a place to ride as well too. I mean, that, and there's no shops really that just specialize in moto. Right. Yeah. It's all like Kawasaki dealers or whatever. Right. You know, so it's like they do everything. Hmm. Yeah. No. No. I mean, I think that's what did it. That that 08 or like whatever that area just kind of killed off all the small shops. Yeah. All the good ones. <laughs> yeah. That's a shame. Cause hey, we had a pretty good run, yeah. you know. And like I said earlier, met so many awesome people, and yeah. I have no regrets. Even with all my beat up body parts, yeah. <laughs> that I'm, I still ache every morning I wake up. Yeah, I, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, no, it's it was such a cool way to live, <laughs> an awesome way to grow up. Uh, do you want to tell us about the? When you stopped riding, that accident. Oh, just I just yeah, it was well. I was in my forties and I yeah went over the bars, and I thought my back was broken. Yep. Well, I couldn't stand up. My legs were numb, and uh, went to the hospital and they X-rayed me and said it was just a bruise, a swollen, swollen. Uh, I don't know, some kind of swelling, putting pressure on my spine, but nothing yep. was broken. Okay, yeah. So it went away. Yeah. After the swelling, you know, I basically was in bed for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and 
I just got to the point where I'm like, I've been beat up enough. I'm done. Yep. And you know that, and I don't want to get into any details about this, but we both lost a couple of friends. Yep. Yeah. And a couple other friends that I know that were paralyzed from riding. It's a oh, very dangerous sport. Such young people, too. Yeah. One was 10 years old. Yep. Yep. And the uh, other 21. Yeah. Right? Uh, two weeks for his 21st birthday. Neighbor. Yep. And uh, after I hurt my back, I just said, screw this. Yep. I'm done. As much as I love the sport, and I have yep. no regrets. Yeah. But. You know, got to the point where I'm I'm done. It's rough, yeah. Especially, I mean, forty still. I mean, I mean, Tom Brady retired when he was forties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was forty five years old, and I'm like, fuck it, I'm yeah. done. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's uh, that's the most physically demanding sport there is, motocross. Yep. I mean, like you got. Football players, yeah, they have hard impacts, but you're hitting other humans that give. The earth doesn't give when you go no. down. <laughs> it, it's a crazy sport. Um, but as far as that accident goes, it was on a corner, wasn't it? Yeah. And that was a tall, tall corner, right? Yeah. Like, it was right before the sand whoops, a big sand corner, right? How tall was that berm? It was probably 12 feet. Yeah, and you were right at the top of it, right? Yeah, and it was dry. It was yeah, rock hard ground, and I went over the bars. I was probably fifteen feet in the air, and yeah. landed on my back. Yeah, which isn't fun to do. No, no, yeah, especially <laughs> on like dry, you know, rock hard ground like that. That was yeah. That's a that's that's probably the biggest berm on the track. That was a a rough way to crash i mean we had some other accidents on the track too i mean we we've had there was a flight for life out of there wasn't there yeah that's a that was a rough one too um that was the spectator table right yep right after that and rob mcmillan how'd that happen what what, what was he just like, he came up short and feet came off the pegs and when he came back he grabbed the throttle and just went right into the woods yeah. And hit a tree. Yeah, I remember seeing that tree. That tree is still scarred. Yeah. <laughs> what uh Yeah, he broke his hip. Ugh, that had that has to be painful. Yeah. I remember just hearing the screams oh, trying yeah. to pull him out of the trees. Speaking of pulling out of trees, I remember a time when I like I like for- <laughs> <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> I forgot dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> forgot where I was actually you want to tell the story you probably have a better, better memory <laughs> there was this long whoop section at the end of it there was a it was a big berm at the end of the whoop section that went to the right and he thought it was a he he was uh, you were on your 50 yeah, I think yeah, still I was on my 50, yeah. and he, he thought it was a jump just forgot where he was at on the track and he gets to the end of the whoops and he just hammers on it and goes flying into the trees and <laughs> This bike is stuck up in the trees. <laughs> Luckily, you didn't break any bones. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a crazy thing too. Is racing when I was racing, I I never broke any bones when I was. Racing. I had some bad wad ups and some scars, but never never broke a bone from racing. I don't, I don't know. I know a lot of kids. That was one thing too. Is like you you would push me, but not past my limits. You knew what I was capable of, and you were you were. 
you'd push me to what I was capable of. But you know, I listened to your one episode about about getting pushed too hard, and I almost felt bad. No, yeah, I mean, well, it was just. I didn't mean it as like a you're sitting there leaning over the fence like some parents screaming at their kids, like not those those parents are crazy. But like what I was referring to is more of the the pressures of who you were and what you were doing with SF performance, and it was it was like the weight of I have to be good, you know, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Yeah, I've always looked up to you, and and you're. I appreciate that. I look up to you. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah, your your opinion is it means so much to me. So I, it was just I always wanted to make you proud, and and uh, you're a better young man than I ever was. So <laughs> I I love you and I appreciate you, but I always yeah I pushed you a little bit, but only because I'm very competitive. And I knew how much talent you had. I know you don't speak of it too much, but what were you, like a five or six handicap? Yeah, yeah. In uh, golf, yeah. I'm speaking. 5.6, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was a good golfer. He was a good motocross rider. He's good at everything he does. He's very athletic and very talented. Thank you. And I'm very proud of him. And he's one of the most personable guys you'll ever meet. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, and, and the golf, I, I didn't even start that until the summer between eighth grade, middle school, and, and high school. And then didn't even make the cut on freshman year for the golf team. And then... It, it was after I hurt my back. Yeah. And about a year late, I let my back heal. And when we decided to quit racing, yep. we went, hey, let's go golf. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, because Grandpa was a great golfer. He's got a record at Crystal Lake Country Club, doesn't he? Yeah, 19 putts in a round. That's insane. Yeah. and You almost went to golf college. We drove yeah. around. We drove to North yep. Carolina and Florida looking for a golf college for you to go to. Yeah. That's so... A lot of people think, like, how could you go from racing motocross to playing golf? Like, it seems like such complete opposites. But the way I see it is they are both mental games. And what I like is that I don't have to rely on other people not playing 100% when I am. You know, it's whether whether the outcome of the game is good or bad, it was 100% on me. And I'm the same way. You you got that for me. My my mother when I was a young kid signed me up for like Pee Wee baseball. Yeah. And I didn't like it. I yeah. I never got into team sports. Yeah. And I mean I love I love yeah, watching, watching yeah. I love watching I love football. football. Yep. <laughs> um for the record, I'm a Packer fan. Yep. <laughs> but uh I never enjoyed playing team sports for that exact reason. It's you know, I want it to be on me. Yeah. And it's the same with pool. Yep. Yeah. Motocross, yep. golf. It's it's you. Yeah. And they're all super mental games. Too. Yeah. You know, it keeps our minds active. We both have super active, crazy minds. So. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> That's why we both have insomnia so bad. Yeah. I lay I lay up at wake or awake at night. Yeah. All night long, just crap going through my brain. Yeah. Do you ever just think about it being a curse? 
Um, yeah, somewhat. Yeah, I, I, that's crossed my mind before too. It's just like, maybe it is a curse. Maybe it's just bliss living in, you know, naivety. Like, <laughs> I guess. It, it, it wasn't a family though. Your uncle, my brother, mm-hmm. and your grandfather on my side, my dad, mm-hmm. have the same thing. Insomnia, really bad. Oh, really? A couple hours a night. Yeah. It's all we can sleep. Yeah. And your mind's just racing and yep. you just can't shut it off. Yeah. It, it, it is a curse. It, it's annoying. Yeah. I mean, I I know people are like, oh, I crash at 8 o'clock and I wake up at 8 o'clock. I'm yeah. like, how the hell do you do that? Yeah. Not a, not a care. I guess it's easy to fall asleep when there's nothing happening in your mind. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm always thinking about something. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably why you're so good at putting things together and fixing things. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did want to kind of, you know, changing the subject here, I'm going to cut back, but on one of the previous episodes with Jeremy Lesser, his first episode, because he's been on twice, uh, we talked about this site, like this, you know, sp- like weird ghost sighting, whatever you want to call it in the woods and we both saw it i saw it and it was like like this misty misty kind of figure that i saw out of the corner of my eye and i looked over at jeremy and and he's looking over that way and then he looks back at me and we and he i was like did you see that and he's like yeah i saw that and then uh so i it was weird that we both saw it and it was gone and so then after that podcast after i released that i had a listener that um that mentioned why don't you tell or why don't you ask your dad about the story about the guy that they said died on our property and so i asked you about that and you want to kind of fill us in because i feel like this kind of like answered some questions because it was it technically wasn't on our property our property backs up to um comed power lines and under the power lines, which are not on our property, guys used to go out and take their trucks, Jeeps, whatever, you know, off-roading, and they knocked this gate down, and, and ComEd put this cable up, but they had it all flagged off. But after years, the flags, like, dried up and fell off, and there was two guys there riding double on a dirt bike ripping down under the power lines and didn't see the cable. And the one kid got, sorry to be graphic, got decapitated. Yeah. yeah. The, the passenger in the back, he was fine. but And I went to high school, or I went to grade school with the, the, the kid that died. His brother was in my class. Wow. Yeah, that's... that's it was tragic. So tragic. Yeah, that's terrible. And... And I made a mistake of walking out there, and it wasn't a pretty sight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure with the ambulance noise and stuff, you could you could hear that all, like all day. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, so you just walked out there because you're curious, and yeah, just to see what was going on. Yeah, I'm like, oh god. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to go further. <laughs> That's terrible, especially how young you were to see that. Right? How how old were you? I was probably. 14, wow. 15, 14 or 15, right in that range. Yep. So then I asked you where, like, specifically this happened. No, maybe and, younger than that, probably, because it was, I was in, I was at Prairie Grove. So I was oh, in grade yeah. school. So I was maybe 12, 13. Wow. Yeah. 
It's before yeah. high school. That's crazy. Yeah. So in in that last that uh, episode number seven, uh, we talked about a specific location, and it was backed up to the Comet property because the hill kind of like crests over and on the backside of the hill. And I asked you specifically where it happened, and you told me that spot, like right on the backside of that hill over there in the underneath the power lines. And that, like, that was the hill we were sitting on on that side too. And I'm like, you know, that's probably my best guess is what what happened. I mean, you're you you're a realistic kind of guy, and I I've never actually asked you, you know, your thoughts and opinions on this, but like, you've always been kind of like a scientific, realistic guy. So what what are your thoughts on like, you know, people that say that they've seen ghosts and stuff like that? Um, I think they're just seeing stuff i yeah I, I don't believe in ghosts yeah yeah no that's totally fine i'm, I'm just curious because i've never asked you before what do you you've never had any experiences yourself no no yeah nothing that you couldn't explain oh other than women no <laughs> yeah yeah right uh, and then uh as far as like the scientific thing goes too i mean we do talk a lot about the ghosts, and then the other thing too is with aliens. <laughs> what are your thoughts on them, or a possibility of life out there? Oh, I'm I'm certain with all the stars and universes and everything that there's yeah. life somewhere. You gotta be. I don't believe that they're coming here Disney and not us. making contact. Right. Yeah. That's kind Th- of that. You know, it's like you know they're not gonna they're not gonna make it here and make some kind of contact. Right. Yeah. I don't. I, and, and the government can somehow, you know, Area Fifty One hide it from the rest of the world. Right. Especially nowadays with like smartphone, everybody's got a camera in their pocket, and right. they can, you know, you can. So it that's definitely a like a, you know, my problem is that my mind, you know, I want to, I I find myself wanting to believe in it. So it's tough, but I I like battle this where I'm like, okay. By now, there should be more footage or things out. You know, like everybody's got a phone on them, so you, you'd think that there'd be some good evidence. I, I always make a joke to some of my friends that believe in UFOs that I'll point up in the air. You know, you see a jet, you know, 30 some thousand feet in the air, and it's like, yeah. hey, what kind of plane is that? I don't know. I'm like, well, that's an unidentifiable flying object yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, it's an interesting topic, and I, I, I always have found fascination in it. I, I don't know. I've always been fascinated with looking up at the stars, and, you know, I, I think... Oh, you, I do. I Astrology is really cool. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you got to be naive to not think that... The, even if it's bacteria, like I've said in a previous pod, podcast. Like, it doesn't have to be, you know, intelligent life. It could just be, you know, some sort of organism on another planet or a meteor or anything. Yeah, you know? so, absolutely. That can happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I've, that was one thing I've always been curious about is, you know, I've never asked you your thoughts on any I, of that. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I focus on the stuff that matters, you know, yeah. relationships. Most and first and foremost, my children, mm-hmm. you and Stephanie. And after that, my hobbies. Yeah. You know, pool and whatever. Yep, and then you get really good at them. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's like, yep. 
an alien wants to contact me, alien can contact me. <laughs> but uh, other than that, I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, because by now, if, if they're visiting, they you know we should have heard by now, right? Yeah, you would think. Yeah, and and if somebody's hiding that information from <laughs> us, then whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not affecting my life, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not affecting my pool game, so what do I care? Yeah, yep. And speaking of pool, I know Cinco de Mayo today. I know you. Yeah, like, happy happy May fifth. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're thinking about getting back out to the bar, right? <laughs> you gonna shoot some pool tonight? Yep. Nice. You going straight there after this? Probably go shoot a few practice games. I'm not gonna stay out late. Yeah. Practice. I practice every day, so. Yeah, no, that's why you're good. <laughs> so. Being mindful of time, I'll. I'll uh, well, I mean, we're over an hour here, so as <laughs> a is a. That's really... fine. If you have any other questions, I'm good, or whatever you want to do. I think I'd love to have you back on the podcast. This is a really cool episode. I I loved it. Yeah, it answered a lot of questions for me. I mean, I'm I'm so grateful for your time and and just the knowledge that you have and the experiences that you had. It's it's amazing. You're a very interesting person. You're an amazing young man yourself and i'm so proud that you're my son thank you so much dad all right guys thank you guys so much for listening this is i hope you enjoyed it i really enjoyed this it answered a lot of questions and i you know i i always just love spending time with my dad he's you know my best friend (laughs) you you are as well (laughs) thank you so. don't forget to share this with your friends listeners yeah yeah definitely (laughs) share it (laughs) sorry i'm a salesperson too yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah thank you guys so much for listening i appreciate all of you and have a great rest of your day yes